So, first, before we get going, I want to pray. Uh, Not that I would speak, but that the Holy Spirit would speak. But then number two, uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Uh, So let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you. We ask that uh, I don't want to hear anything that I have to say that I think, Lord, I just want your words. Um, Use the, the things that come out of my mouth. Use it to, to bring encouragement, to bring uplift. Uh, let it be only things that are true, right, noble, lovely, pure, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Let these things be on us. We just lift up our pastoral staff. We lift up Pastor Dwayne and Pastor Joel. We lift up the Sims. We ask that you would just bless their time on their 17 days of uh, cruising, of uh, just a reward for 25 years of service to this place. We thank you that it was even tough for them to do it. It takes two years to... Uh, to actually enjoy the thing that we gave them. And so we just pray a blessing on them, and we just thank you. We ask you to just uh, come and be mightily present here this morning. Amen. So I want to talk to you a little bit this morning. I thought I had a... I, actually, I had a message prepared. Uh, I had a message prepared that I thought was good. And what's really funny about that is, is that just as we're talking about Pentecost, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks. And he speaks to you, and he speaks to me, and he speaks to every other believer. What concerns me is when people say he doesn't speak. Uh, That would be a God that I don't think I'd want to follow. Um, But as I was preparing what I thought I had, uh, the Holy Spirit came and spoke to me and said, no, I don't want you to say that. I have something else for you. So it's always interesting when these things happen because uh, then you have to kind of restart what you're doing. And so the message that I have for you this morning is called drawn in by the goodness of God. The Holy Spirit wants to pull you in, wants to draw you in to himself and to the Father, and he does so by his goodness. It's the goodness of God that causes man to come to repentance. It is the good, wonderful nature of the Father that causes us to be drawn unto him. It's a really... uh, It's a phenomenal thing that pulls us. It's like a tractor beam. You know, those of you who are into sci-fi stuff, it's like the tractor beam and it sucks you in. And what I'm going to tell you is the thing that won't suck you in is condemnation. Uh, It's you're not good enough. It's the thing that draws you in is the love of God. It is the thing that, that pulls us into him and the things that keeps us coming back for more. And so I believe the Lord is bringing a shift Uh, not only to our body, but to the body of Christ in general. What do I mean by this? Um, I think that for a a substantial period of time, people have had a perspective on who God is based on a little bit of a tweaked version of a father. Uh, If I grew up with an unhealthy father, maybe it alters my perspective on who my heavenly father is because of who my earthly father was. However, I think that God's doing something special to show himself to his children in a different way. And I see this happening in different spheres of Christianity, different circles of Christianity. I can already see this happening, but I think it's something that's going to be ramping up in in near times. Um, So what I'm going to talk about is going to all hinge upon something that's foundational. And the thing that's foundational is the value of something. So if I was to say to you, what's the value of something? What would you tell me? The importance, 
okay? I'm hearing what someone's willing to pay for it. A few months ago, there was a group of us that went down to uh, C3 Church just to check out their what they're doing down there. Um, And while we were there, we spent a little bit of time and we went to a fancy golf course. We were really sightseeing in the limited number of hours that we had. Um, While we were there, there was this car that was in the parking lot. uh, And I, my son, who's sitting down here, any teenage boy pretty much thinks cars are cool. Um, And they probably know a lot more about cars than, than you or I do. So there was this car there. I took a picture of the car. I texted it to him because I thought he'd think it was cool. And the car was a McLaren P1, if any of you know what that is. Yeah, I I didn't even know what it was. I'm like, oh, that's a really weird-looking car. That's cool-looking. I didn't even know. But so he, of course, knew. I, you know. So I sent him this thing. And so uh, a McLaren P1 is worth a lot of money, like over a million. Like, uh, what is it, like 1.4, did you tell me? One, three, one, four, something like that. Now, in my mind, uh, would I spend, perfect, would I spend uh, 1.3 or $4 million on any car? Heck no. Uh, I actually don't even, I, like, I have a better car than I should have. I, I got talked into it by some people. And so, um, I like, I, cars just do not matter to me that much. And so, however, um, would I spend $1.3 or $4 million on a car? The answer is no way. I could think of a bazillion things better to do with my resources than spend that money on a car. However, do you know that there are people who are lined up waiting to spend $1.3 or $4 million on a car? Do you know that? Do you know that some of these high-end cars, they actually have, you have to be vetted before they'll sell it to you. Not only... Not only are people happy to give over their money for that ridiculous car, in my mind, ridiculous car, it's not ridiculous to them. So everything I'm going to talk about this morning is going to be predicated on something, and the thing it's predicated on is your value. What is your value? We were singing it with that first song, Sal. Uh, We were singing about the blood. So what was paid for you is what determines your value. So what was paid for you? That's a good question. You've been redeemed by the precious blood of the lamb, right? What is the most valuable thing that has ever existed, will ever exist, now, history, future, all combined? Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the most powerful And it's also the most valuable thing that has ever been, that ever will be. Guess what? That same thing is what determines your value. It's the same thing that what determines my value. So what is Bill's value? What's your value? What's my value? It's 100% based on what's paid for something is what equals the value, right? And so if the heavenly father sent down the son... And he gave the most precious thing ever in the history of mankind that ever has been, that ever will be, and he gave it for you? Oh my gosh. If we knew how much God loved us, if we knew how good he was, we would just roll up and cry all the time. Because 
that his love for us is so ridiculous. It's so much. It's more than we can understand. It's more than we can contain. It's more than we can fathom. And this is such a big thing that everything he does is out of the outflow of that. It's all from that. And so what's the value of something? This value of something is what's willing to be paid for it. And if the most invaluable thing that's ever been was paid for you, guess what that says about you? You are, if, if it's the precious blood of the lamb, depending upon the version you read, some versions will say priceless, precious, invaluable. There, you can't put a value on that thing. That's you. That's me. And so when we're getting a perspective on our value to the king, I think that sometimes maybe we've had a little bit of a warped value. When Johnny Enlow was here, I, lo- I loved what he had to say. He said, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. He was quoting A.W. Tozer, right? Pastor, author. So, you know, some big shoe that, you know, these are greats in the body of Christ, right? Um, and so why is that slogan so significant? The most important thing about you is what you think about God. Why is that slogan so key, so critical? Why are people repeating it today from a man that died uh, about 60-something years ago? Why would people be saying that? It's because it's truth. It's truth. They got it. They get it. So, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. And so, If we're talking about value, my question for you is, how valuable are you? And the answer to that is more than a McLaren P1, more than the Hope Diamond. Um, The Hope Diamond is like 52 carats or something. It's worth $350 million. They say it's priceless, right? Guess what? Your value is like way more than that. Priceless. It's like the, what is it, the, is it Visa? One of the credit card companies does the priceless commercials. You know what I'm talking about. And so there are things out there that are priceless that are worth more than money can buy. And that's you. If I had, I don't have any animals currently, but if I had some animals, dog, cat, and my animal looked kind of ruddy, didn't look like it, you know, it was matted, its fur didn't look good, it was hungry, it looked like it was starving to death, it looked like they fed it the really cheapest food you can get from Walmart, and its ribs are sucked in, and its, its hair, it just was not healthy looking, right? If that was my pet, and I loved my dog, and I loved my cat, and, and it looked like that, what would you think about me as an owner? You'd probably think that I didn't really love my cat or dog very much, right? You'd think, oh, I got I to gotta call like some animal protective services or something. That dude's like neglecting his animal. So you would think that I wasn't a very good owner, right? And it would look like I didn't really love my, my cat or my dog. Well, if we as humans know how to care for our animals... How much more do you think your heavenly father knows how to care for you? 
he ain't going to give you a scorpion. He ain't going to get, you know, if you're asking him for something, he's not going to give you something that, that is not what you need, that is not what, you, what you're desiring to have. He actually says that he deli- delights to give you the desires of your heart. Like, I mean, it, our thinking, anyhow, I think our thinking's been off. And so part of what I'm endeavoring to do here this morning is going to be to create a shift, uh, an upgrade, give us some more superior and less inferior thinking about who God is and who we are in his sight. Anybody in here have a china cabinet? My observation is when I go into people's houses, a lot of people have a china cabinet. Why do they have a china cabinet? They're putting their pretty stuff in it. They're putting something on display, correct? Well, um, what do you do with things? What do you do with things that you value? You protect it. Yeah, you put, what else do you do? You display it. You display it. I'm going to tell you, I think that that's what the Lord wants to do. For you. With you. Okay. So you guys that know me, you know I'm a scripture person. So my first scripture for you is, is going to be Second Chronicles 6.41. You guys have got it in the back. Beautiful. Is this in the New King James? I love it. I love that you guys have got it dialed in. Uh, thank you so much. I want you to read this with me. Now arise, therefore, O Lord God, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength, Let your priests, O God, be clothed with salvation. Let your saints rejoice in goodness. I want you to repeat that last section with me again. Let your saints rejoice in goodness. One more time. Let your saints rejoice in goodness. What does a good God do? Good things. A good God does good things. You know that's all that he does? That's all that he does? So every night we have this funny little thing that happens in my house. And, uh, and I, don't think, I don't think you guys are a whole heck of a lot different. But if uh, Magnolia came up and sat on your lap and said, uh, or w- wanted to snuggle you, right? If um, I could think of, any, I could think of a number of examples of this. But uh, so... Shiloh and Roger, you know, if Jace came up and sat on your lap and he was snuggling you, if he needed, maybe he, maybe, and at a given point in time, he might do something he's not supposed to do, right? He's, anybody with children? I mean, come on. Uh, My little faith, my little faith is, of course, I'm a dad, you know, but my little faith is like quite nearly the perfect child. And what I mean by that is she is like, she, yeah, Chase, you know it. You, you're sucked in by it too. You know it. She is, she is literally the sweetest little girl, but she's also got a spunky side to her. Those of you who, that know her, she's got some spunk. And so um, every night 
she comes and she sits on my lap and she snuggles. We snuggle. It's the thing we do. Uh, and I'm going to tell you that I am completely drawn in. And you know what? She can captivate my heart. Question. The other day, she was doing something she shouldn't have been. She was getting kind of sassy. So she's cute, and she knows it. And everybody calls her cute, and everybody says, Oh, fam, come here and snuggle me. You know, she, she has this thing, and so it, she begins to think, you know, Oh, you know, I can pull stuff over, right? It's a little sassy. So she was being sassy. Now, when I'm going to deal with my daughter... Am I going to love her, snuggle her, and then coach her on what I want her to do and say, sweetheart, you know what? Uh, Mommy and daddy don't like it when you're sassy. We don't want to act sassy. We want to be sweet. We want to be gentle, kind, loving, right? These are the things we want. That's 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 how we coach our children, right? Isn't that how we coach our children? So I'm going to tell you that I think that a lot of people in the body of Christ, uh, have a view of God that's maybe a little warped. And what I mean by that is, is that something bad happens in their life. And you know what they think? They think, that was God. He's sovereign. He's trying to teach me something. Uh, he's trying to keep me humble. Uh, he's, trying to, he's trying to work something out in me. And I'm going to tell you that I had no idea Pastor Dwayne was going to... Uh, pull out those cards with the option A, option B theology thing a couple weeks ago. But that was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. I don't know, uh, I don't know if I've seen anybody put together something quite like that before. And so what I'm going to tell you is, is that a lot of people's view of God is that he's not really as loving of a father even as we humans are. With my little girl, I tell you, I love her. So much. Um, I have some people that, anyhow, I have some people that live a few houses down from me. Um, Recently, there were four sheriff's cars in front of that house. Uh, So if I'm having an issue with my daughter, right, am I going to send my daughter down to the the house that's like where everybody's cracked out on meth? Um, and there's some issues going on. Am I going to send her down there to be disciplined? Question. I'm not going to do that, right? There's zero chance that I'm going to do that. Why? I love my little girl. I'm not going to send her down to some people that don't really love her and that are, you know, a little off right now. Uh, I'm not going to send. I'm not going to send her to go be corrected by these people. It ain't going to happen. And what I'm going to tell you is that a lot of times uh, our theology, I think, in the past, uh, anyhow, I think that globally speaking, across the body of Christ, there's some thinking that's crept in about God being sovereign and that all things that happen is the will of God, is the plan of God. And what I'm going to tell you is I think it's really dangerous. Dangerous? What? Dangerous. Uh, I'm going to tell you it's dangerous because just as I'm an imperfect man, but I love my kid and I'm going to coach him. I'm not going to let him stay where they are. I'm going to coach him. But as I'm an imperfect man, guess what? God is perfect. 
he doesn't have my imperfections. So if I know how to parent with my own children, how much better can our heavenly father parent us? And so what I'm going to tell you is that when stuff is happening now, can God use it for glory? Romans 8, right? Will he use it for good? Absolutely. Every tough thing, difficult thing, horrible thing you've been through, he's using it for good. He will do it. That doesn't mean it's from him. And so what I'm going to tell you is that, that theology over time and what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because guess what? If you think that God is out to harm you or he's trying to like bring you down or teach you something or do something bad to you, do you know what? You can't be intimate with him. You know what he wants for you? He wants to be intimate with you more than you want to be intimate with him. He wants to speak to you even more than you want to hear from him. He wants to, he wants to commune with you. He wants to be so close to you that you can't even handle it. And if you adopt that thinking of God, what happens is it puts a barrier up between you and him. And when that barrier's up, guess what? It hampers your capacity to be loved by him, to hear from him, to even be obedient to him. Why? Because if you think somebody's trying to bring harm your way, you don't want to listen to them. Why would you want to do what... If somebody didn't have your best interest at heart, yesterday, uh, my daughter... My family got asked to get uh, to be in a photo shoot for an orthodontist we know. Um, and they, they said, hey, would your family be willing to come in off hours and we want to photograph you guys? My wife was trying to get my daughter to wear something. Sorry, Sophia, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Uh, my wife was trying to get my... I love you so much. She's a wonderful young lady. Um, but so she wanted her to wear something. The thing she wanted her to wear looked really cute. It looked really good. It, was, it had integrity in class and all of these things. And so she put it on. She didn't want to. She was mump, grope, grinding. You know, anyhow, there was some unhappiness. Um, and so she puts it on, and she comes down, and she just looks absolutely perfect in it. And Claire says to her, she says, Sophia, I'm your mom. Don't you know that I always want the best for you? I'm not going to tell you to do something that, like, doesn't really flatter you or make you look good or isn't the best thing for you. I'm your mom. I love you. And that's exactly what God is endeavoring to do in his body right now. And there's a shift he's trying to bring in the church that's trying to waken us, get us on board with what it is that he's trying to do and to put down some of this inferior, low-level thinking about God and for us to rise up to understand what it is he wants to do in you for you, through you, and it's all based out of his love for you. So, that verse we just talked about a second ago. Let your saints rejoice in goodness. You know what we should be doing all the time? Rejoicing in goodness. What does rejoicing in goodness look like? Thankfulness. Is it complaining? No, is it grumbling? Is it thinking that, oh, everything's going so bad. Uh, Whoa, Jesus, please come back. You know, no, that is completely, the reason why there's so many different end times perspectives is because it's not completely clear. And you don't want to know why? This is my opinion, opinion. It's because 
God doesn't want us to be consumed with when he's coming back. He wants, to be, he wants us to be consumed with advancing his kingdom right now. We, we got this thing totally backwards. And so the reason why it's not completely clear is because he thinks our minds need to be focused on what he wants us to be about, which is his kingdom. He doesn't want us to be focused on what time we're getting out of here. What do saints do? They rejoice in goodness. Well, guess what? That looks like we're rejoicing all the time. That means I'm thankful for my brother. That means I'm, I am, uh, I'm going to tell you that you cannot get, you cannot get a person who is completely hope and joy and faith filled. I love that first second song we were doing. Uh, lift up your eyes, lift up your head. Uh, you know, we're talking about building up the hope and faith with inside of us. And I'm going to tell you, you cannot get a person like that down. You can't do it. You can't do it. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants to convince you that when something, a trial, difficulty, whatever's coming, that that's from God. That's not from God. Will God use it? Yes, he will. However, your God is good. He loves you, and you're more valuable than the Hope Diamond. And so the reality is, is that if he paid the most precious thing ever, the precious blood of the Lamb, for you, it means that he will cross over any river. He will go out of his way to move on your behalf. It's what he does. My next scripture for you. It's going to be Psalm 27. Those of you, uh, so at the end here, Zach, you were talking about stirring yourself up. That's in Jude. Stir yourself up in your most holy faith. You know what you need to do? Besides rejoicing in goodness, that's what saints do. We need to stir ourselves up. Stirring yourself up is some work. Sometimes it means you've got to get a right perspective. Uh, I'm so thankful. Uh, short, you know, I grew up in a unchristian the way I grew up was completely the opposite of anything I'm doing with my kids. Completely the opposite. Uh, anyhow, I got saved when I was 23. I used to have hair down to my shoulders. Um, man, my, my parents, they like made fun of church. They still, anyhow. But my parents, my parents made fun of church people. Um, my background is so the opposite of what I'm endeavoring to do with my children. And I'm going to tell you, after I got saved, one of the most significant things I'm thankful for is that I got a revelation. I got a download of how good God is, of how wonderful he is, of what he wants to do on your behalf. And so I've got some stacks of papers that are up here in the front, and there will be one out in the back, I think, later. And it's going to be these scriptures that I'm giving you. Why am I giving you these? You know, some people have never heard these before. Psalm 27, 13. It says, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, uh, depending upon the version you read, this is, uh, anyhow, if you look at a, uh, this is in a King James, if you look in a New American Standard, it says, I would have fainted. Like that the, the, it was so bad, it was so bad, I was so depressed, I couldn't handle it anymore that I was going to faint. It was more than I could bear. So, 
if you're feeling like things are too difficult, if you're feeling like things are too hard, if you're feeling like you're overwhelmed, if you feel like fainting, if you feel like despairing, if you feel like you're depressed, what is this telling you is happening? Unless you had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in heaven? Nope, not in heaven. In the land of the living. That's right here and right now. That means during this lifetime, for you and for me, this is what he is endeavoring to pour out on you. And sometimes we need to get a fresh perspective from the Holy Spirit that his saints rejoice in goodness. That I would have fainted. I would have despaired unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is Ezra 8.22. The hand of our God... That is not it. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay. The hand of our God is for good on all who seek him. That's in an ESV. The hand of our Lord God is on them for good. You know what he's on you for? Good. You know what a good God does? Good things. You know what that means? It means your bills are paid. You know what that means? It means he doesn't want sickness in your house. Do you know what that means? It means he wants you to have joy. Do you know what that means? He wants you to be fulfilled completely. He wants your vocation to be rewarding for you so that when you go to work every day, you feel completely satisfied in what you're doing. He wants this abundant, overflowing life for you, and his hand is on you for good, not for bad. Not for bad. It's for good. And how do I know that we all qualify for the last portion of this? For those who seek him, how do, how, do I, how do I know that we're part of that? You're here. You know what? When on my drive here this morning, I saw all kinds of motorcycles out. I also saw uh, four-wheeling clubs out. I saw all kinds of stuff out. People out going to, and it's good, it's good. doesn't mean you have to be in church every weekend. But here's my point. You're seeking God. You qualify for this. This is what he wants for you. This is what he wants for you. And I think if we get it in our spirit that the hand of the Lord God is on me for good, we get to this point where we're like, oh, that devil, he's so pathetic. There's a fear. uh, There's a certain amount of fear that I see in the body of Christ pertaining to the devil. And people are like, you know, and I'm not saying, we want to be aware that he's roaming around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. We want to be aware that he exists, right? We want to be aware that he has schemes. We want to be able to recognize schemes. However, he's pathetic. He has absolutely nothing on you. You are called that as you advance your foot, like Joshua did, that you're smashing everywhere you put your foot. It's ground for the kingdom, and you're smashing the serpent's head under your heel. This is what the Lord is doing and does through you and wants to, wants to give us an upgrade or an increased comprehension of the fact that he wants to do it even more. He's already been doing it. He wants to do it even more. This is Second Chronicles 16.9. I'm going to give you these later. You can pick them up. You don't have to write them down now. Second Chronicles 16.9. 
It says, for the eyes of the Lord search to and fro across the earth that he may show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are fully devoted or fully committed to him. What does this mean? Let me give you two others. So this is this is Second Chronicles sixteen nine in uh, in an ESV. It says, so his eyes are, you know, in, in Revelation it talks about that there's all these eyes, right? So he's able to see everything, and he has more eyes than you can fathom, and his eyes are ex- covering the expanse of the globe. And he's looking across the globe at you and me and every other one of his kids. And he's looking to show himself strong on behalf of us. Those people whose hearts are fully devoted, fully committed to him. ESV says to give strong support to the arm of the Lord. Um, NASB, New American Standard says that he may strongly support. Do you know what the Lord wants to do? He wants to strongly support you. He wants to show his strength off in you, through you, for you. In Scripture, a lot of times things are given in measure, right? Um, Little kids, you know, he's got the whole world in his hand. That's coming from a scriptural verse, right? That's coming from a scriptural verse, and it says that that the heavens and the earth exist between here and here, between his thumb and his pinky. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? In Scripture, it says that Everything exists in that little tiny place. Oftentimes things are given in measure in Scripture. Well, if everything exists right here, heavens and the earth, what do you, how much strength do you think is in the Lord's pinky? Quite a bit, right? What do you think the arm of the Lord would look like then? We've got a couple of guys. Uh, Jeremy, I'm looking at you. Jeremy is pretty buff, right? Jeremy's got some guns on him. Um, you know, what's the arm of the Lord look like? Think of Schwarzenegger's biceps. You know, what's the arm of the Lord look like? It's more power than what you've got. And he's in between the little pinky and the thumb, and yet everything exists within that. And he's looking across the earth to show himself strong on your behalf with that power. He is actively looking to get involved in your life in every single aspect of it. Every single thing that you put your hand to, he's looking to get involved in it. That is what he's looking to do. And if we can't, if we don't upgrade our thinking, if we don't get away from this woe is me um, doctrine of Christ, Um, I'm going to tell you that we hinder the capacity of the arm of the Lord to move on our behalf. How does the Lord, how does the Lord work? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God moves through our faith, correct? He's very gracious to us. And we, we may even only have like a little tiny measure of faith. And he'll take that and he'll move a mountain with it. It's not all on us. It's not all on us. But he's looking, and if our hearts are turned towards him, he's got Arnold Schwarzenegger biceps that he's going to use 
to come and take care of you and have your back in what you put your hand to. It's so critical, so critical that we understand how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, what he wants to do through us, what he wants to do for us. Because if we still have this perspective on him that, oh, crud came my way and he's trying to teach me something or this, that, or the other, our capacity to follow him is going to be hindered. It's going to be hindered. Let me give you a little story. Um, Does this resonate with any of you? Does it resonate? Because I'm going to tell you, uh, as I was driving here this morning, I had this picture. um, There are a lot of people within the body of Christ who God loves them. Ridiculous. He wants to pour out his goodness on them. And you know what? Sometimes we are putting God's arm. He wants to stretch it out and use it on our behalf. And we're putting his own arm behind his back. We're putting his own arm behind his back because we've believed inferior thinking. We've believed untrue things about him, about his nature, about his character, about what an incredible father he is, about what he wants to do in us, to us, for us, through us. And so what happens is we're not walking sometimes in the fullness of the thing that he would have because our hearts have been singed because we don't know how much he loves us. If we knew how much he loved us, we just weep in the floor. We just be on the floor crying all the time because we're just so thankful that he has been so gracious and so merciful to us. And that same grace and that same mercy has an arm. And that grace and that mercy has an arm, and the arm is powerful. And he wants to utilize it. I'm going to give you a little story. Um, few, a few, some of you in here know this, but uh, so a few years back, I was driving my car down the road. And as I'm driving my car down the road, um, as I was mentioning a second ago, I'm really thankful that I got exposed to what I'm going to call healthy doctrine pertaining to the heart of God towards me, that he loves me, that he wants my best, that he wants to move on my behalf, and that as long as I put myself in a position to give deference to him, to respect him, to revere him, to honor him, uh, to be dependent upon him, I can trust that he is going to utilize his strength, his arm, his power on my behalf. And I can trust that he's going to show up. I just have a faith in it. And so I'm happy because here I was, this, you know, long-haired, anyhow, I'm not going to get into all the stories, but, uh, you know, here I am, this kid who used to make fun of Christian people. When I was a kid, I used to make fun of every Christian people person I knew. Why? Because that's how I grew up, you know. Uh, I was the party kid. Uh, you were, I was the kid you didn't want me hanging out with your, your kids. I would not let me hang out with my kids right now if I was like I was when I was a kid. And so, but when I got saved when I was 23 and I started to get a revelation of, man, this whole Jesus thing, and he loves me, and he wants to do something, um, I got exposed to this, and I'm so glad I did. Because what I've seen is he works a certain way. So I'm driving my car down the road, and I had this thing in my spirit. And I had this thing in my spirit that told me to pull over. And I, and I thought, well, that's strange. So I did. I pulled over, not knowing what the heck was going on. Few of you know this story. So I pull over, 
And I'm like, I'm looking around, and I thought, well, that's weird. I don't know what that was. Okay? I'm looking in front of me, seeing a bunch of buildings, seeing uh, this, this complex over here. I'm seeing all of this. Didn't know what the heck's going on. It quit. The thing in me, the, the thing, feeling, quit. Get back in my car. Go down the road. I'm driving again, different day. The same thing happens in the same spot. So I pull over, and when I pull over, it's doing it again. It's the same thing. It's this crazy thing coming on me spiritually where I'm like, Holy Spirit, what are you doing to me? What is this about? What, are you, what is going on here? And so I am now looking up, and I'm seeing that there's these couple of buildings, and they're standing in front of me. And I thought, well, this is really bizarre. So I went home, and I told my wife about it. And I said, you know, sweetie, I'm not sure what's going on here, but I think, like, the... I think the Holy Spirit might be trying to, like, get, get me to do something. Like, guide me into something. He, he is your comforter. He's your counselor. Uh, he's your guide. Do you know that he guides you into all truth? Do you know who knows everything? The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, he doesn't know when Jesus is coming back. But anyhow, uh, generally speaking, there's nothing that you need to know that the Holy Spirit can't reveal to you. Do you know that? There's nothing you need to know that the Holy Spirit cannot reveal to you. And the Holy Spirit has a way of making you look smart. I've heard Joe say this before. Uh, Joe always says the Holy Spirit has a way of making you look smart. And this is so true because here I am going and telling my wife about this, and she's like, what? And I'm, but she trusts me because I've been, do, I've been walking with him long enough where we have relational equity where she just trusts that I'm never going to lead her astray. I'm never going to make a decision that wasn't God. And so she's on board 100%. And so I'm, I'm talking to a friend and I'm finding out, uh, you know, who owns these buildings. And it turns out it's some South Korean business investors. And next thing you know, what I find out is, is that at some point in time in the past, they tried to sell them. But they didn't and they refinanced them and they owned them. And so... Me and my naivety and trust that God's always up to something good decided to write a letter to some South Korean business investors and said, hey, listen, uh, this might sound strange, but would you be open to sell these to me? And so at the time, they, these, these buildings, they were quite expensive, way beyond like my thinking or comprehension of anything that I would ever think that was possible for me to do anything about. Uh, this is a promised land kind of a thing. It's something where your eyes can't see something. Your, your, your vision is too small. We had a vision of what we thought someday, and this was like, this was not that. This is way too big. And so the funny thing about it is, is that through a leading of the Spirit of God, twice, it took me twice because I'm slow, um, but uh, through a leading of the Spirit of God and through, at the time in this church, we were reading the Circle Maker book, and uh, I we... I went to these buildings on a, I don't remember if it was a Saturday or Sunday, but I went to these buildings on a Saturday or Sunday. And as I'm reading Mark Batterson and how they bought this land in Washington, D.C. to build, start this church, and, and, you know, they bought it for nothing, and it turned out it was worth crazy money and all these kinds of things, I'm like, well, that sounds like this. So I go there, and I walk around these things, and I'm praying. And as I'm walking around them, and I'm praying, 
the thing that caused me to pull over the Holy Spirit in the inside of me, it was like a thousand times worse or more intense. It was really, really, really intense. And now I'm like, oh my, this is totally the Lord. And so, long story short is we went through about a three to six month negotiation and we ended up buying these buildings. Um, I'm only telling you this story because I'm looking to ignite something in you. I'm not telling you this story to say, oh, yeah. No, I'm looking to ignite something in you. This is how God works. So, next thing you know, these things uh, come to pass. We end up purchasing these buildings. The guy who owns about half of South Puget Sound in commercial real estate was coaching me through it and Joe Sims. And as it happens, on the day it closed, this guy calls me. And he says, now this guy is a black belt in commercial real estate. In, I mean, this guy owns more stuff than, anyhow. And I am, I am like not even a white belt. I do have no idea what I'm doing, right? I'm just following the Holy Spirit's lead, and I'm trying to get some counsel as I'm doing it. And so here's what ends up happening. The day it closes, he calls me, and he says to me, Craig, how does it feel to make a certain amount of dollars in a day? Uh, And he says, how does it feel to make this amount in a day? And it was a lot. And I said, I don't know. And he's like, well, you just did. Because that's how he works. He'll bring you stuff where you couldn't have seen it, and the day that it closes, you made five or $700,000. Just because the Holy Spirit loves you, God loves you, and he's trying to lead you into stuff. And so I'm telling you this because what if I didn't believe that he really loved me? What if I didn't really believe that he wanted to pour out his goodness on me? What if I didn't believe that he was always leading me from glory to glory? What if I didn't believe that? Would I have been obedient? Would I have contacted them? Would I have taken steps of faith? The answer is I would have done none of it. And it all would have come out of a a heart that didn't really understand how much he loved me. And so what I'm endeavoring to do is to give us a different perspective and upgrade in our thinking. And I'm going to encourage you to make this your life message. That the hand of the Lord our God is on you for good. That his saints rejoice in goodness. I'm going to tell you that your message needs to become that his eyes search to and fro across the earth, and he wants to show himself strong on your behalf. This needs to become your message, this, uh, that you would have fainted. You would have despaired unless you believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is something that needs to get so stirred up, welled up, yes, Zach, in the inside of you that it, it, it's so... It's so bubbling over. It's such a fire pent up within your bones that you're just like, oh, the devil, he's so pathetic. I'm going to smash him tomorrow too underneath my heel. That needs to be the body of Christ's perspective. And if you're thinking, oh, well, you know, you could become arrogant or proud. Pr- no, no. If, as long as you always remain humble and thankful. If you always maintain an attitude of gratitude, you will never become arrogant. Why? Because you're acknowledging that you didn't do it. It was him. It was him. It was him. 
but he needs us to be bold. Well, okay, so I need to... Uh, this is what happens to me whenever I come up here. I have more to say than time to say it. And so, um, real quickly, what I'm encouraging you to do is to stir yourselves up in your most holy faith. What I'm encouraging you to do is, is upgrade your thinking on how good God is and what he wants to do in, for, and through you. Do not partake in holding his arm behind his back by incorrect thinking on who he is. Does that make sense? Uh, We could have the worship team come on up. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because the Lord wants to do something for you, in you, through you. You guys are familiar with a scriptural verse that says, Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, and his glory is on you, and it's causing the nations to be drawn unto you. It's causing kings to be drawn unto you. You know what? The glory of God is the goodness of God. And the goodness of God is what's chasing you down every day, and it's trying to pull you in and draw you in, and it just wants you to come up to this thing that he wants to do in, to, through, and for you. And if we'll just get on board with it, Oh, we're going to see miracles happen. We're going to see miracles happen because it's what he does. It's, it's, he's always done this. If you look back in the Old Testament and you look at the 12 spies that were sent out, Pastor Dwayne referenced this, uh, I think, about three weeks ago, right? What happened? Ten came back, and were they rejoicing in goodness? Did they believe the hand of the Lord God was on them for good? No! They were like, no, the land's too, too scary. The giants are too big. What did Joshua and Caleb say? They actually came back. Scripture says that they had a different spirit about them. A different spirit about them. They, they had a different spirit about them. And you know what? The other 10 spies, did they enter in? Did the other 10 spies enter in? They didn't. Who did? Because they had something different on them. It's the glory of the Lord. He wants to put you on a pedestal. He wants you to be a city on a hill, shining bright for all to see. And for some of us, that's a word for you. Because you are uncomfortable with having a spotlight on you. That's me. Like, I am uncomfortable. I don't like to public speak. Uh, and I do it a lot. Um, I, I, I am really uncomfortable with being having attention to me. I don't like it. Yet, it's what the Lord wants to do. Because as he s- sets his glory on you, as you're arising and shining... If kings are going to come to you and if nations are going to come to you, it's going to look a certain way that's going to be attractive to draw the king and to draw the nation, right? And so it's going to have a different spirit about it. It's going to have a Joshua and Caleb vision, a Joshua and Caleb spirit that says, did you see the size of them grapes? It's one dude with a, uh, you know, they're, they're walking one guy in front of the other and they've got 
and they've got a rod running in between them, and they've got clusters of grapes that are so big that they're having to carry them on this rod. And they're saying, did you guys see these? Did you guys see these things, how big they are? There's a land flowing of milk and honey. We need to go take the land. There was 10 that didn't have that perspective, though. And so what I want to share with you is that this is a corporate thing. The body of Christ is awakening to this. It is awakening to this. It is awakening to this. The glory of the Lord is rising upon you. Nations are drawn unto you. It's the goodness of God on your life, in you, for you, through you, that is causing the kingdom to be expanded. If I'm a ruddy dog and I don't look good and I'm not taken care of, then what do people think about my father? What do people think about him? People think he's a bad father. People don't want a bad father. Half of them already know what that's like. They experienced that in their childhood. They don't want that. They want a good father. They want a good father. The Lord told me. So I had a message. It was a totally different message than this. Um, But the Lord told me, ignite my people. Ignite my people with how good I am with what I want to do for them, with what I want to do in them, ignite my people. He just kept saying, ignite my people, ignite my people, ignite my people. And so I figured, okay, that must mean that there's a little bit of igniting that must need to happen. Um, There's something that needs to get in our spirit. There's something that needs to, we need to get a hold of, a revelation of, an upgrade of, uh, some superior thinking that needs to come inside of us for us to begin to walk this thing out for his kingdom's sake. If you are here this morning, I believe in uh, prophetic declaration. I believe in prophetic declaration. I believe that there's a thing that happens when we get in agreement with God. Do you know God's never wrong? Ever. And so, you know how to make yourself look really smart? Agree with him. It's really not hard. It's not hard. I mean, anyhow, there's some people I know who I'm like, you know, they look really smart. And I realized they just agree with God all the time. If we agree with God, it makes us look like geniuses, even though we may not be. And so I'm going to tell you that I think that the Lord just wants us to get in agreement. And prophetic declaration is just that. It's getting in agreement with what he says about you, how he feels about you. Do you know when he looks at you, he just, he just, he just sobs like he loves you that much. And because he loves you that much, he wants to pour out his goodness on you. And his goodness looks like something, and it looks like his glory. And when his glory's on you, it draws the nations, it draws the king unto you. And we got to get our heads, we got to get a, a, a different vision. Where there is no vision, the people are not, they're, they're casting off restraint, and the people are not taking the ground they need to take. And so we need to get a different vision of what it is that the Lord wants to do. So this morning as we're closing here and we're singing a song about hope being generated and renewed. If you're here and you say, you know what? I've been despairing. I've been despairing. I've been fainting because, you know what? I've just been waiting to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, but it hasn't happened yet. And I'm, and I'm like, depressed about it and I'm I'm down about it I want to tell you that we're going to take a shift in that this morning that we're going to agree together he says where there are two or three 
gathered, there he is in the midst. The Holy Spirit was very present this morning in our worship. I believe he's speaking right now. And I think he wants us to get in a collective group in agreement to watch the arm of the Lord moving. The goodness of God in the land of the living. And that when our good God is at work on your behalf, he produces good things. So as they're leading us right now, I'm going to ask you to come up front. If you think, you know what, I need, I need more of the Lord's power. I need more of the Lord's moving. I need more of the, the arm of the Lord, the strength of the Lord. Maybe I had like the pinky of the Lord before, but uh, I, need, I need the arm of the Lord to come and move. I need his power to come on my business. I need his power to come on my parenting. I need him to lift me out of depression. I need him to lift me out of despair. I need to, lift him, I need to be lifted into a place of joy, unexplainable, unspeakable, overflowing. I want the fullness of the fruits of the Spirit manifesting in my life. I believe that there is a, a, a group consensus when we come together and we declare these things. I think that it's, it's you draw a line in the sand. You draw a line in the sand and you say, nope, from now on, moving forward, this is what we take. We take the goodness of, the, of God in the land of the living and we appropriate it. And we're in agreement with Him. As we close out, Come on up front. I would like to prophesy over you. I would like to declare over you a new sense of hope, a new sense of freedom, a new sense of uh, the, the spirit of God moving, the power of God moving in your life, in you, on you, through you, that the glory of the Lord is on you so strong that everybody who looks at you, everybody who looks at you says, what is that on them? What is that on them? I want that too. I want that too. I want that too. Jesus, put your hand on your neighbor, if you would, next to you. Put your hand. Come on up here. You got, let's just, uh, let's close in together. Let's close in together. Jesus, we just thank you so much. We thank you that you are so active. We thank you that you're actively moving. You are actively moving and that the arm of the Lord, the power of the Lord is so present It's so active. It's such a real thing. And we're in agreement that the goodness of God in the land of the living is on us. We thank you that, Lord, you wake us in the morning. You wake us every morning and we are renewed. You teach us like one being instructed that we have a word in our mouth that brings an uplift to those who who hear it. That it takes the captives and it sets them free. It sets them free. It sets them free. We just declare that right now, every single person who's down here, that the glory of the Lord is on their head, that the power of God is on them in a mighty way. They're a bright, shining light for all to see. They have a fire pent up within their bones that when they wake in the morning, it's like easy for them. It's easy for them. They wake up and it's just the Holy Spirit sparked them. Sparked them and said, come. Receive love from me. Come, receive love from me. Come, receive love from me. Come, receive love from me. Lord, give us a revelation of how much you love us. Give us a revelation of your goodness. Give us a revelation of the overcoming victorious faith. The vision, the vision of a Joshua, the vision of a Caleb. I declare a vision of Joshua and Caleb right now over every person who's in this room, that every person who's in this body right now I declare 
that the power of God and the might of God, the moving of God, the spirit of God is so real, it's so evident, it's so guiding in every single one of us that it's just an easy thing. God says that his lifestyle is actually easy. Do you know it's easier to have his lifestyle than not? His life, he says it's easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Those of you right now who have heaviness on you, he says, I lift it off. I lift it off. It's not for you to carry. I carry it. And you don't have to. Just be obedient to my voice. Hear my voice. Walk it out. Give deference to me and I'll make your path straight. I'll make your path straight. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you're so awesome, you're so good, you're so loving, you're so kind, you're so powerful. And we release right now the power of God, the arm of God, that it is searching. It sees those whose hearts right now sitting before us are fully committed, fully devoted to you, and that you stretch out your power on them. I declare downloads from heaven right now, downloads from heaven, fresh revelation. I declare strategies from heaven for solutions that come from this group of people, that solutions come from us because we're heavenly minded. We have the power of God on our behalf. We have a download from the Spirit of God. You make us look smart. You give us something that we don't deserve, but you're so good. We thank you. We're so grateful. And we just declare, Lord, that your power is moving. I just, there's some here who, there's some here who, uh, you have an ache in your body. You have an ache in your body. Your your neighbor's hand is on you right now. And we just declare, Jesus, God heals you. He is Jehovah Rapha. Do you know that the same power that raised Jesus? Yes. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead right now is at work in your mortal body. Right now, bringing healing to your back. Bringing healing to your knee. I declare healing to your knee right now that surely by his stripes... You've been healed and made whole. Surely is a very strong word. He declares healing for you right now in your knee. He declares healing for you in your back. He declares that you can go out and you're going to leap forth like a, a calf coming out of the stall. And he declares that his goodness brings every aspect of his nature and his character. So it's him as healer. It's him as provider. It's him as the sustainer and lifter up of your head. It's him as giving you hope. It's him as giving you guidance and direction. And we declare that every name of God, the uplift of the standard of God is on every single person who's here this morning. And we thank you. We ask for an overcoming, victorious faith, superior thinking to come on us, Lord, as we just submit to you and we say, yes, more of you, more of you, more of you, more of your love, more of your goodness, more of your kindness. And we declare that as we go about this week, that we stomp the devil's head and that we have an overcoming victorious perspective and then nothing can rob it. Not the news, not the newspaper, not the negative testimony of another believer, but we have something on the inside of us that's so brimming up, so full of faith that we can take mountains, we can move them, we can take the cities and we can storm the gates in the name of Jesus. And we thank you and we give you praise. Amen.